everybody. Welcome to Be A Travel Star Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Jeans. Every week, Be A Travel Star Podcast hears from community leaders, event organizers, and Salesforce ecosystem travelers who are moving and grooving around the world. Thanks for subscribing. And now, let's get going. everybody, this is Zachary Jeans, and welcome to Be A Travel Star Podcast. I'm your host, and today we have uh, a couple guests. Uh, right now, we're speaking with Jim Gilbert. Uh, Jim uh, works at Huron. Uh, they're a consulting group that works primarily in the higher ed space, nonprofits too. Uh, Jim is on the uh, Salesforce Higher Education Advisory Council, uh, but Jim's just a good friend, and I'm really excited to be seeing him next week. We're going to get to get a chance to talk with him um, about uh, his journey in Salesforce and how he got into higher ed. And um, we're also going to chat a little bit about the conference and, and his experience there. So Jim, thank you for joining us. Oh, excited to be here, Zach. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. So uh, I would love you to uh, just maybe just share a little bit about, well, who you are and where you work. If I got any of that wrong, I'd love you to correct me on it. Uh, but also just tell us a little bit about your Salesforce journey. You know, how did you manage to find your way into this part of the uh, Salesforce ecosystem with higher ed? Sure. So, um, so as you mentioned, I'm a Salesforce consulting manager at Huron. So we work with um, a number of different institutions. Huron works with higher ed and, and healthcare primarily, but uh, my little sector uh, within the company is really focused on Salesforce for higher ed. And, and so myself and several of my colleagues all have lots of higher ed experience that we are using to try and help drive a, a lot of change in the ecosystem. Um, you know, as far as how I got my start, I was a classic accidental admin journey. I had started a new job. Uh, I was an assistant dean at George Mason's business school. And I think my second day on the job, one of my staff told me that I was in charge of Salesforce. And I said, that sounds great. What's Salesforce? And um, <laughs> folks who had done the initial way, right? They, somebody's just like, hey, by the way, we have a thing <laughs> called Salesforce. You're like, okay, awesome. What, what, what is that? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, and so <clears throat> they got me into the system and I sort of started poking around and I did the classic break things in production because I didn't know about sandboxes yet. And, mm-hmm. um, and there wasn't anybody on, on our team that really was very familiar with it. So um, I went up uh, to New York City and got to meet some of the folks with Salesforce.org um, and just sort of was blown away by the power and the potential and the capabilities of the platform. And mm. um, in 2012, I then started uh, kind of reaching out and trying to figure out who else was out there and got connected through the old higher ed chatter group, the predecessor to the Power of Us hub. Mm-hmm. Um, got to realize that there were a lot of other like-minded people out there and, and started kind of looking at different ways that we could extend our use of the platform to help support student success and, and help, uh, you know, make sure that we were tackling some of the challenges that our students were facing at Mason. Um, then I was able to to get wind of that. I was able to go to Dreamforce the next year, and I presented on some of the work that we've been doing and uh, in terms of trying to help students be more successful and find their way in our curriculum. Um, and joined after that kind of the early days of the Higher Ed Advisory Council. So I was on that for, the, for two years while I was at Mason and just sort of continued to grow and learn and, and connect with, with others. Uh, one of the things I love about Salesforce is the fantastic community, the Ohana that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was great to, to make so many friends all over the country and the world um, because of it and to learn from them and to teach them. And then, uh, you know, sort of had the opportunity about uh, almost two years ago now uh, to go over and, and get to do Salesforce consulting. And so the idea of doing higher ed and doing Salesforce every day and, and looking at finding ways to help Lots of institutions, instead of just one, make things better for their students, make things better for their staff, um, you know, streamline processes and and save what are, you know, seem to be continuously dwindling resources. 
was just too good an opportunity to pass up. Oh, wow. 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 So how, so you were a dean, you're an assistant dean. I think I need to pump the brakes and back up on this. So how did you end up being an assistant dean? And what, what kind of role does that, so you're an assistant dean at a, um, at a business, in the business school at Mason. Uh, how do you end up there? What was that all about? Well, uh, so my whole career up until Huron was exclusively in higher education. Uh, I joked that I liked college so much that I never left. And, uh, you know, after my undergrad and some grad school, I, I got a job at uh, American University in D.C. and spent 11 years there in, in a few different roles, left as the director of academic advising, was always doing stuff related to technology, but mostly really focused on, on students, learning outcomes, assessment, and then kind of helping to fit all the different pieces together. I worked with everybody from the incoming freshmen to the PhD students and, and everybody in between and saw that there were lots of places where folks were, um, were facing some, some really tough challenges. So it was you know, looking to find ways, including technology, to meet some of those challenges. Uh, whether that was affordability, whether that was, uh, you know, following their, their curriculum to completion. And, uh, and after doing that for several years, uh, you know, by the time I left there, I was the director of advising. I had 13 grad and undergrad advisors. Um, and then the opportunity came up to become, uh, an assistant dean at the, at the business school at Mason. And that was just, uh, you know, again, it was sort of the next step for me. So there I was overseeing, 3,000 undergrads, uh, as well as uh, doing a lot with our technology and serving on a lot of university-wide committees, so trying to make sure that we could, you know, deliver quality education and not let a lot of the external components get in the way. So whether that was issues related to affordability or bureaucracy or policies, sort of, you know, trying to help make sure that folks were clear on what was expected of them and and get them the resources to help them be successful. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I can totally see how that feeds into uh, it's, it's always great to just see how all the pieces fit together in a person's life, how it's a story. Right. And you have this story of helping and serving students really, um, and having loved being at college and then, and then getting to serve students. And then eventually you're, you're in a position where you're serving them, not just in an advising role, uh, but from an academic dean and and then really helping your your constituents and other departments make sure that you're all kind of aligned in how you are serving students and now here you are as a consultant uh, working in the space and it's like at each level it's sort of an expanded role if you will so I want to ask you about that higher ed uh, situation with the higher ed advisory council um, I, I'm loving my uh, conversation with Kathleen. I'm going to talk with her quite a bit about the formation of Higher Ed Summit and about the Advisory Council. But in that role, in your opportunity to serve there, what, what are some unique opportunities that uh, you've been able to lend your voice to that council? And what is it? So the, the council was really started in late 2013, early 2014, and it came at least in part out of a conversation that we had, sort of a pop-up meeting at Dreamforce 2013. Uh, and it was, I think, when Salesforce really started to realize that higher ed was not just a, a kind of nonprofit. Um, you know, I think up until then, a lot of the solutions that they had done had focused on nonprofit and higher ed could use them too. Uh, and so, you know, what they realized very quickly was, you know what, as higher ed was a growing market for them, that they needed to do a better job of, of kind of meeting some of those different needs. Higher ed institutions are, ex are extremely complex, especially given relative to their size. Uh, you know, they have all of these different services and departments that you just don't see in a traditional not-for-profit not or even a traditional business. Mm -hmm. um, certainly not on the scale that, that relative to their size. So, you know, I think it was something where we started to kind of have some of those conversations and, and some of that was what drove the development of, of tools like HEDA. Um, so part of it was us advocating for higher ed with salesforce.org. Part of it was us helping higher ed users connect with one another. So um, there were virtual user groups, there were virtual spaces within the Power of Us hub, and it was really about saying, you know, how do we help 
the people who are at the schools, you know, all over the country and all over the world know what each other are doing and how do we help them real, you know, realize the benefits and the efficiencies and the economies of scale that come from that? Because I think everybody was ready to come and share. It was just that they didn't always feel like they knew where to go to be able to do some of that. And I think mm. that the council really helped promote and publicize a lot of those opportunities, helped engage with folks and also help hear from all the various higher ed users, what some of those kinds of critical needs are and what they, you know, how we perceive the future of higher education to be going so that Salesforce can position itself to support that. Right. And I love how you mentioned HEDA in there. Maybe for those folks who aren't familiar with the higher ed space, could you, could you just elaborate a little bit about what HEDA stands for and uh, where it started and where it's kind of at now? Sure. So HEDA is the higher ed data architecture, and it's a new model um, and a continuing, continuously evolving model um, that Salesforce developed a couple of years ago. The idea is that in the traditional Salesforce environment, you've got accounts and contacts and opportunities, and the accounts are really what drives Salesforce because it's so much about those companies that you're selling to. Uh, HEDA really turns that model on its head, and instead it puts the contact at the center. So it's really all about that individual. And, and what they did that I think is really savvy is realizing that individuals are connected to organizations and institutions in lots of different ways. That you might have one person who is simultaneously an alumnus or alumna, a student, a parent, a donor, um, and a faculty member. And that could be one person with just one institution. And then realizing that person might be involved with their church or involved with another institution that they went to for a different uh, educational opportunity or where they're working. Uh, and so HEDA is really designed to, to make sure that you understand the relationship that that, in, that individual has with your organization, with all the other organizations, and with all the other constituents that you might have. So there's contact to contact, there's contacts to multiple uh, accounts through tools like affiliations, and then there's a lot of sort of standard higher ed objects out of the box, so things like courses and course offerings. Um, so it can really be a great way to jumpstart um, a, a traditional Salesforce higher ed build. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I've heard similar contexts with uh, the finance uh, product that they've been working on for a couple years now, where uh, you end up dealing with individuals within investment funds, right? And, and then how those accounts are understood because they get split off into different family members if it's a shared sort of fund. Uh, and, and so the whole account thing gets flipped around on its head. It's also kind of interesting because, of course, we've always had person accounts, uh, but there's kind of a limited functionality there, right? Um, wow. So we're going into Higher Ed Summit, Jim, and it's like literally by the time this gets posted, it'll probably be just a couple, three days out. Uh, last year, I had the joy of attending um, uh, down there in Texas, and the thing that really inspired me was the, oh, I guess it was just the, the, the innovation, that's too broad a term. It was that people were ready to change. So there's a lot of change happening right now in the university, college, higher education space. Uh, and I guess now we're extending that down uh, with what Selena Suarez and her team is doing with K through 12 at Salesforce Org. But really, this whole idea of like, uh, there's a, a feeling amongst educators that the, the original system, the way we're teaching, maybe even the way we're uh, going about accrediting or, or creating classes, all that's being changed. Um, we're being innovated and disrupted. Um, Clayton Christensen, you know, from the Harvard Business School spoke at length, who wrote The Innovator's Dilemma about business, and he was speaking really humbly, I think, just saying, gosh, you know, um, we're innovating, we're doing things, but, and we got a big endowment, but I'm worried. I'm worried about our program. So uh, I got that sense that people are um, in the higher ed space, understand that things are changing and they want to take the next step. And Salesforce is a part of that. Um, what are you seeing right now as a consultant, somebody who's working in the space with Huron, um, going into this summit, what do you think the, uh, the themes will be around higher ed and around this summit? 
Well, I mean, I think that, that innovation and disruption are going to continue to be topics of conversation. And, and higher ed is continuing uh, to face ever-increasing levels of scrutiny um, and, and demands for a, a wide variety of kinds of accountability and, and particularly relating to issues of affordability and access. Um, you know, one of the big shifts that's going on right now is that the, the dem student demographic is changing and that it is gradually but steadily moving towards the non-traditional student now being the norm. Um, you know, I think in the last couple of years, the demographics have really shifted to the point where um, universities that are competing for those traditional college-age freshmen are dealing, are, are increasingly fighting over a, a smaller and smaller amount of market share. That's really kind of leveled off and it's even shrinking a little bit. And so if anything, they're needing to try to figure out how to recruit, attract, retain, and graduate those other, the, the, the non, you know, the quote unquote non-traditional students. So maybe the students who are older, maybe students who have been to multiple institutions or are trying to work full time and figure out how to get an education. And I think we've seen some really great success stories with schools like Western Governors and with uh, Southern New Hampshire University. And, and I, I'd say even Mason, where I was previously, was, was sort of towards the leading edge of that because they had such a strong relationship with the local community college and we're starting to, and we're really focused on trying to figure out how to meet um, the needs of an incredibly diverse population. So I think there's a lot related to access that we're gonna continue to grapple with. Also a lot related to affordability and accountability. So this idea of, you know, why does college cost so much um, is, is one of those questions that doesn't have an easy answer and it doesn't have a single answer. Um, it's one that I think folks are struggling with. And one of the places where I think Salesforce helps is that it can, you know, maybe not bring down the cost of tuition, but really reduce some of those operational inefficiencies that you hear so much about. And right. Get, you know, so if you're yeah. able to make things, if you're able to get people to not have to enter stuff five times in five different systems, um, you know, and use different spreadsheets to try and keep track of everything, um, you've got greater accountability, you've got greater transparency, and you're also saving people time and, and, and potentially saving money. Um, one of my favorite case studies actually came out at the summit uh, a couple years ago in Miami where, um, where, where uh, a guy from St. Norbert's College in Wisconsin talked about that his school went from is using enough paper to fill Lambeau Field uh, to using three reams of paper to send out all of their admissions notifications. Um, and you think about that from year to year in terms of the sustainability, in terms of the cost of postage and the cost of printing and ink and, and the cost of meeting people to stuff envelopes. That's just, you know, that's one to me very tactile example of places mm -hmm. where, where there are a lot of opportunities to be realized. And I think as, you know, we're seeing more focus on things like student advisor link and those, you know, sort of that middle of the student life cycle of the all right, we've gotten the students here and we're keeping them happy as alums. What are we doing to make sure they're, that they're successful? Because studies have shown that it is much more cost effective to keep the people you have than to lose them and try to recruit new people to take their places. And I think that's another place where universities are starting to deal with and trying to grapple with the fact that we have a, a, an enormous population of folks who have some college, a lot of student debt, and no degree to show for it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to uh, all the conversations. Uh, uh, for folks who want to uh, maybe find out a little bit more about where uh, your particular place where you work, um, and then also maybe a link uh, where folks can find out more about Salesforce Higher Ed, what are a couple places they can look, Jim? Oh, well, the, the best place to me is always the Power of Us hub uh, at powerofus.force.com, which is open for all nonprofit and higher ed Salesforce customers. And there is just a breadth and richness of dialogue and support and discussions uh, that, that permeate that every day. I'm just blown away by the, the willingness of folks to answer questions and help each other out and, uh, and guide each other and, and share best practices and lessons learned. Uh, so I'd, I'd say that's a great place to start. Um, you know, and then of course, Salesforce, I'm a huge fan of Salesforce Trailhead. I mean, what an incredible resource for learning Salesforce and it's all available to anybody, whether you're a customer or not, it's all completely free. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a great way to sort of get, 
get your feet under you and sort of learn some of the language and, and learn just sort of what the system is about and what the Ohana culture is about. Um, if you want to learn more about Huron, our website is huronconsultinggroup.com. Uh, and you can definitely see some more about some of our solutions for higher education uh, writ large, as well as higher education specifically focused on Salesforce. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Hey, so one of the things that um, I always ask my guests, being that uh, this is Be a Travel Star podcast, and I imagine you do a little bit of traveling in your role. Uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, what, I always like to ask, like, what? What's a travel? What's something you always do when you travel to make your life easier or or more enjoyable when you hit the road? Is there something you do at the hotel or when you get in the city or, you know, uh, the night before you leave? What, what, are, what are one or two things that you do uh, to, you know, make travel better? So I'm a big foodie and I think that the, probably the most important thing that I do is I do my homework and start looking at places uh, that I might want to have dinner, uh, whether I'm with my team or whether I'm traveling solo or whether I'm taking clients out to dinner. Um, but, you know, making sure that there's, you know, there are a few things to me that are more satisfying than a really good meal at the end of a long and fulfilling day. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, do you hit up Yelp or do you just Google or uh, what do you, what do you do? I use a number of different things. Yelp is one. Tasting table has been another one that I found really helpful. If I know folks who are live, who live in the area or have been to the area, I ask them for recommendations. Um, you know, and then um, also TripAdvisor. So it's it's sort of kind of culminating okay. through a number of different resources. Google is definitely uh, your your good friend for that as well. Um, and then it's you know it's also being willing to to be a little bit adventurous. So you know mm -hmm. if there's a place that that folks have heard good things about, uh, being willing to give that a shot. All right, man. Well, that's great. I'm gonna. Uh, we'll definitely just so everybody knows. Of course, we'll always include the links to to those and and. Uh, and to everything that Jim mentioned. Jim, thank you so much for being our guest and uh, good, just hope you have just an amazing, amazing week uh, next week at Higher Ed Summit. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, I look forward to seeing you next week, Zach. Take care. So let's talk a little bit about Cloud Perks. Cloud Perks has exclusive deals for Salesforce customers, ISVs, partners, uh, anyone with the Salesforce login. Uh, we've partnered with Priceline to offer exclusive rates, uh, stuff that you just don't see out in the public web. Uh, this is, this is uh, a deal for uh, users of Salesforce, uh, people who have logins that can authenticate that way to get access to this stuff. Uh, we're talking 80% off, uh, in some cases, hotel rates. I've seen higher um, and it works for both business and personal use. This is a free app. You can drop it in your uh, org, whether it's Classic or Lightning. Uh, you can drop it in for your sales team. They can book their travel right there. If you float a Lightning component, CloudPerks Lightning component right there on the accounts, accounts um, and they're figuring out travel for another uh, place they got to go, they can just book their travel right there. We have a customer that uh, loves this, just loves it. Uh, they're saving 30% on average for their uh, sales team's travel. Um, or you can use it for personal use. We have, uh, because it's free, right? It's a free perk. Um, drop the app in, in your org for your employees. Um, we have a company up in Cam Canada. They don't, they don't travel for business at all. And they use it just as an employee perk. Um, so yeah, check out Cloud Perks on the App Exchange. It is the Salesforce store, and you can search for Cloud Perks. You'll find us right there. Uh, 16 five-star reviews and growing. Uh, check it out. Thank you so much. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. This is Zachary Jeans, and this is BA Travel Star Podcast. I'm your host, and... As you know, we've been chatting with folks from Higher Ed Summit and from the higher education space in the Salesforce ecosystem. Um, as I told you, we are getting a chance to speak with Kathleen Lukeman. Uh, Kathy has an extensive journey in the Salesforce world, and she's kind of had her hand in what Salesforce has been doing with higher ed, both on the outside, uh, on the inside for a season, and now uh, working at a university. Um, 
She sits on the uh, Salesforce Ad uh, Higher Ed Advisory Council. She'll tell us a little bit about that too. Um, but Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, could you could you just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you work and what you get to do? Hi, Zachary. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, to share this higher education journey with so many folks. It's a, it's a fun little story that we have. I am Chief Innovation Officer at Maryville University. Sounds like a fancy title, but uh, it's important work. I'm thrilled that I get a chance to help an incredible boss, President Mark Lombardi, realize his vision, setting the template for transforming higher ed. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so could you, so Kathleen, we've known each other for quite a while on Twitter and we kind of have a funny mm -hmm. story. Maybe we'll get to it, like how we actually met in real life. But um, that was really funny. Um, it was. It was at a dream force for everybody that's wondering. And, and no, it was very funny because we actually sat next to each other and didn't realize it till the very end. But that's right. Kathleen, you, you, um, you got your start in Salesforce how long ago? When was that? And what was going hmm. on? Yeah, you know, it was a while ago. I would like to say let's jump in the Wayback Machine. Though it wasn't really that long ago. Uh, I was at Wayne State University. I would say it's smack dab in the middle of Detroit. And I say if you can solve problems in Detroit, you can solve them anywhere. So it's a, a gritty, resilient place, a wonderful place to work. I was leading the enterprise CRM initiative there, along with being graduate admissions director, interestingly. It's a long story, too. Um, I think it was 2010 when we first uh, really heard about Salesforce. We had labored under, I don't know, a couple of years of what my IT partner, Rob Thompson, used to call cotton candy for higher ed CRM. It was CRM as if it should work for higher ed, but it didn't really. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there had to be something better out there, right? There had to be something better. And of course, that something better was Salesforce. And so we received our, we applied for our 10 free licenses, all nonprofits, 10 free licenses of this world-class solution from Salesforce.org. And we worked in it a bit. Frankly, I poked around for a couple months and it was pretty obvious early on that it would absolutely replace our cotton candy for, CR, for higher ed CRM. Uh, with this really incredible platform. Um, thankfully, while I was poking around, just checking things out, my developer, a brilliant guy named um, Adam Lincoln, who coincidentally now works for Salesforce.org, uh, had been working on our integration with our SIS so that we would be ready. That was, I think, the spring of 2011. Um, that spring, we had a, I would say, quote, leadership change, which happens often in higher ed. Um, and But it was partly because we had this really negative customer satisfaction survey. And the university decided we needed to really treat our students so well. They, they have such uh, promise to make our society wonderful and great and do such great things um, that we couldn't put, you know, administrative barriers in front of them. And so they decided to create a kind of a frontline service aggregated together in a one-stop called our Student Service Center. That new leader, his name was Rob Corman, came to me, I think it was July, telling me he wanted to use CRM to document our interactions so that we could measure and continually improve our service. And I thought, oh, the case object would be perfect for that use case. Heck, I barely knew Salesforce, but I knew that. <laughs> right, right. Documenting our interactions, right? Um, the funny part is, is that we had about a year left in our original contract and planned to be really methodical about our move to Salesforce that year. Um, I said, hey, by the time you get your one-stop put together, we'll be moving to Salesforce. And he looked at me and he smiled. He laughed really gently. And he told me I had to be ready by October 3rd. It was July. And he told me that we had to be ready by October wow, 3rd. Wow. Okay, crazy. I know. Crazy, That's huh? mind-blowing. I mean. I know. It, it'd be like one but thing if you're just kind of spinning up for like a little, like a little department. You're going to track like some email. And uh, maybe, you know, a couple, you're scoring leads of, of incoming applications for, you know, like, I don't know, 100 people or something. I mean, this is like, you're talking about rolling it out for your whole school or for your whole area of your school. And uh, what would normally take a, a pretty experienced consultant, uh, probably at least four to six months. So, so what, so 
you went to Dreamforce? What was that like? What that was your first Dreamforce in 2010 or 2011 or something like that? Yeah, fortunately that year. So I was told in July that we had to go live in October that year, 2011. Dreamforce was in August. Thank goodness. We thought we were going to go to Dreamforce for training. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Us. We didn't know any better. We didn't know what Dreamforce was. We had no training. We didn't even know what a partner was. We just knew that we had to go live in October. So we went to Dreamforce and, you know, we learned a lot. Don't get me wrong, but we, it's a testament to Salesforce that we could come back from Dreamforce at the end of August and configure for service for the entire university and go live. We, we trained uh, 100 users the last week of September and live on October 3rd. It was amazing. That was my first use case. Wow. So basically a good, it was, I remember that Dreamforce. That was my first Dreamforce that I got to go to. Um, and I remember just thinking, um, well, I mean, I'm like you, I mean, you, you just get exposed to this platform and the size and scope of that conference and it's huge. Uh, I had had some experience with it before because my sister-in-law had been involved with the community since like 2007, um, Brandy Comer, but, uh, sure. you know, I'm Brandy. yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was just one of those deals where until you go, you really don't know. And of course it's, you know, it's doubled in size basically since then. <laughs> so, but a month. Really, or more. Basically a month you had to go, okay, we're back from Dreamforce, month of September, and then you're training a hundred people. Um, yeah. So that's your, that's, that's how you got into Salesforce. Uh, but how did that transition to where higher ed started going? Because really, I mean, we're, we're coming up here on higher ed summit. The, uh, this is the seventh or the sixth higher ed summit. Six, the sixth higher ed summit. Sixth higher ed summit. So we do the math. Mm -hmm. I mean, higher ed summit started only a couple of years after your first Dreamforce or, or something like that. Right. I mean, so how did, how did all that get started? And, you know, oftentimes I hear people say, uh, well, that's Kathleen's baby. That you know, higher ed summit <laughs> her her thing, you know. And so, why why is it so precious to you? How did it get started? Where did the idea come from? Oh, I love that you're asking me that question. It does feel a little bit like my baby. Um, higher ed summit was really born from the desire to get the community together to help each other, kind of like a mini Dreamforce for higher ed. Back then, we had this private chatter group in an org. It was called uh, the Higher Ed Cloud um, that the Salesforce Foundation gave us access to when we became interested in using Salesforce and higher ed. It was a very small group of us. Uh, Salesforce Foundation's Rob Lamb, who's with uh, Salesforce.com now, we used to call him the higher ed guru, had set it up for us. And nice. literally, we were a tiny little community. <clears throat> we got to know each other post by post by post asking each other questions, answering questions, sharing what we learned that day, that week. Uh, people just hadn't used Salesforce and higher ed before, so we were all newbies. We were just trying to figure it out, and we shared with each other. I remember, oh, Jonathan Mayer, who is with .org now, but was with Fresno Pacific at the time, posted a how-to uh, video on custom buttons just when I needed it, when I was configuring um, to go live. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. I love mm -hmm. this community. Um, and we got to get together only just once a year, and that was at Dreamforce. The community was really small, like I said, when I joined it. And kind of getting to know each other in chatter was awesome. Um, mm. Kind of halfway between going live at uh, fall of 2011 um, and the next Dreamforce, Dreamforce 2012, the Salesforce Foundation asked, asked me if we would do the first higher ed webinar forum, which was really cool. We did it on our integration that our brilliant developer, developer Adam Lincoln, did. It was awesome to be able to mm. share that. And that really helped us feel, you know, part of the community even more by teaching what we had learned. And mm. frankly, as we neared the next Dreamforce, I was like, hey, this is great that we're having these sessions. But I wanted to get to know people outside of the sessions. And I'm an introvert. Hey, get me talking about Salesforce and I'm not maybe. But generally, I'm an introvert. And I needed a kind of an excuse to get us all together. So I asked the foundation if I could hold a higher ed reception. It's wonderful. We had the very first higher ed reception before higher ed partners had receptions. Um, 
for our community. It's pretty cool. Um, but it was really the next event that, that led to Summit. Hmm. Colleen Leyland from Providence College, she was at Yale at the time, hosted this Ivy League CIO event and invited me to speak at it. Me from a university smack dab in the middle of Detroit talking to these right. people. That was pretty darn cool. Yeah. Um, there were, yeah, I got to join some other speakers too. Nick Zinter, who was with Northeastern University and is now with Huron Consulting. Um, and Becky Joffrey, who was with Dartmouth Tuck School of Business and is now with Cornell, um, were there, as was Jason Becker. He was an early social studio pioneer back when it was called Radiant Six um, when he was at Clemson. Uh, we all got to talk there, and I just had a wonderful time sharing you know, what we did, the little things that we did um, in, in Salesforce for higher ed. And afterward, I said to Colleen, how in the world did you get the foundation to hold an event at your school? I want an event at my school. And we jumped on a call after the event, and she encouraged me just to ask them for an event mm -hmm. at my school. And I did. I asked, and I asked, and I asked. I asked <laughs> three times, asking. and they turned me down three times. Right. But finally, I said, hey, you know what? I understood. They were, they were truly a foundation. It was before they changed into Salesforce.org, right? They were truly a foundation, and they just weren't staffed to hold community events like that. Right. And I said, what about this? What if I get the speakers? What if I pay for the food and the facilities and the parking, and I do the website content, and I do all the other logistics? Would you help me promote it? Yeah. And they agreed. They agreed. It was wonderful. I got to work with uh, Sandra Sanvito, who was the marketing director at the time. And she was able to convince the foundation to pay for a keynote speaker. Oh, my gosh. I was over the moon. Right. I was so excited. Yes. We had Jeff Salingo from the Chronicle of Higher Education as our keynote. And honestly, it was because of this community and all of us wanting to get together and Colleen hosting an event. Um, Colleen Whalen, who's at Providence College now, who's amazing, by the way, um, her holding an event that really led to Higher Ed Summit being born. It was the very first one. It was in 2013 at Wayne State University. Wow. Wow. And so Wayne State, and then like, uh, I remember you were down in Arizona one year and... Yeah, yeah. That's another fun story. Um, not to interrupt you, but I'm just excited about Higher Ed Summit. Can you tell? Yeah, the very I'm, first Higher Ed Summit was only one day. It was a one-day event, right? Kathy was holding it. You know, I'm, I'm no Salesforce.org or Salesforce.com. I was having a one-day event. Yeah. Um, uh, Arizona State uh, was considering using Salesforce with service. They were talking to other folks who had done it, both in Higher Ed and out. And they came to me, and Salesforce had sent them to me, and they said, hey, can we come visit you the day before Summit and learn from you, learn what you did? And I said, yes, I don't know, I was crazy what I was thinking, I'm having a big event, and I'm going to host a mini event before my big event, but somehow I said yes. Um, and when I said yes, I was so excited that I said to other people, hey, anybody else want to come a day early and learn together? And some, some schools took us up on it. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done? I have a big event that I have to work the very next day. So I asked some people <laughs> from the, our little chatter group, hey, anybody want to come and help me host this? And Jonathan Mayer, you know, he's uh, one of those early pioneers, said yes. And Mike Shaley, who was with the University of Florida and works for Maryville now, was the, you know, with the University of Florida then, said yes. So they helped me um, kind of co-host and teach people the day before Summit. Um, and as we wrapped up that day, the day before the very first Higher Ed Summit, I looked over to my new friends at ASU and said, we did this for you. Guess what? You get to host the second Higher Ed Summit. And we laughed. Jokingly. <laughs> I even threatened, hey, I'm going to tell the foundation that you already agreed yeah. to laugh. But it turned out that they did. They hosted the second summit. Um, it was pretty cool. In fact, I was involved in selecting locations for the third summit at University of Miami. Um, Florence Perotti, Debbie Draner, incredible co-host. Uh, the fourth at Tulane University. Um, uh, Amjad Ayubi, like a brother to me. Uh, these folks are still like family. So I was really involved uh, with selecting locations after that. 
Um, and you know about the fifth summit yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, you had a good friend who invited you. So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The fifth was at, at, that's right, UT, uh, University of Texas. So it was, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful ride. My goodness. Um, and I love, I love hearing, you know, that it, at each level, you know, and at each different spot, there are people that are positioned uh, uniquely to uh, contribute, you know, and I hear themes of, well, why don't you just ask? And, uh, you know, why, what, it, it, there's this sense of, um, uh, well, put yourself out there and just ask, you know, and, and then you do. And then lo and behold, you know, people, people respond to that. Um, you know, and uh, I think that's uh, part of leadership is, is it's not because you're, I don't know, it's not like you're just running forward with something a lot of times. A lot of times you just see a need. And this is what we talk in our leadership group. You know, you see a need and you kind of look around and say, anybody else uh, see this need? You want to go over there and do that thing? And, and then people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then next thing you know, you got something. And uh, it's just wonderful to see how all these people along the way, even though they've kind of changed different roles or careers, um, everybody has put their hand in to see this wonderful event come around. And higher ed itself has gone through a lot of transitions in the last, uh, well, even during the time that this has been going on. Uh, the message last year was very much, wow, uh, some of the uh, traditional methods um, of doing school, you know, even doing class have changed. Uh, what students are, uh, how they're engaging the professors or their university, how alumni are engaging or want to be engaged. Uh, all these things are changing and Salesforce is right up at the front with a technology platform that can uh, help these universities go through digital transformation. Um, we're when you made your move back to a university, you spent some time with Salesforce Org, um, and you went to work at Maryville, um, I would love to hear from you, what is it about um, getting to work inside a university, especially a, a really innovative university under the leadership uh, that you have there, um, what is it about working there that, um, that you love? Like, as in, Kathleen, you could have been a consultant or you could have, um, you know what I mean? I mean, maybe you're laughing because you're like, no. I, I'm, no, I'm laughing because people ask me this question all the time and I, I don't know that I have a good answer. I will say that I did work for the foundation for a short time. There was a point where the foundation was uh, considering along with .com, should higher ed stay in the foundation or move to .com? And when it was decided that the foundation would stay in or, or that higher ed would stay in the foundation and not move to .com, um, they, they recognized that they really needed to invest in the community, uh, much like they had um, in the nonprofit community, but we were a little different. Mm -hmm. And so they, they created a position for me, and, and frankly, I thought it was crazy. They paid me to do what I was doing for free at Wayne State, talking to higher eds and helping them understand how to be successful with Salesforce. So it was kind of crazy. Um, and yeah, who leaves the mothership? Nobody. But that's how I met Mary Val. When I met President Lombardi, wow, he's such a visionary leader. And he's set, setting that template to transform higher ed. Well, I was excited to join him in such important work. And I did. He's, a, he's an amazing boss. And, mm. and Mary Val, we have one of the truly enterprise implementations of Salesforce in higher ed. Um, I'm likely the only one in the ecosystem whose president has mandated use of the system for every faculty, staff, and student who put together a serious budget and staff to implement, who really is the champion of Salesforce. He recognizes, and he uses this quote, I steal it all the time, that everything inside the classroom absolutely should be rigorous and challenging, but everything outside it should be easy. Outside the classroom, it's service. And Salesforce absolutely does provide us that platform. But as importantly, it's a platform. And most higher eds don't understand this. We buy these solutions, these, you know, standalone solutions that solve a part of our problem. And then we're frustrated because we have to log into so many different systems and none of them integrate. And we realize that the Salesforce as a platform allows us to use the baked in goodness of the mm. solution itself and then customize it for our core business. I was thrilled that 
I had an opportunity back when I was at Wayne State to build out an application for admission and then got that same challenge here at Maryville University and was so proud that our recruitment work earned us a Salesforce.org Force for Change grant so we could open source it. We have open source our, it's now an application for anything um, for the community. So anybody can install our application for anything. We call it the Enterprise Application Solution for Yield or Easy for short. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. They can install it for free. So they have kind of a, and a core essential solution that's on the platform that means that they don't have to pay for it. It, it lowers the barrier of entry, if you will, mm -hmm. um, for higher ed's looking to use a platform that's anybody be able to apply to a university because it's customized to them as an applicant, which you can't easily do with most standalone solutions. Right. Um, and it's just a, a really thrilling thing to be able to standardize on a platform, provide some, you know, the basics that all of us need, and then be able to innovate on top of it to make our students successful, to make our lives better. It's, it's so liberating. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I want to ask you a little bit more about that in a minute. And I also want to talk to you about this particular higher ed summit that we're, uh, that's coming up here this week. Uh, it's going to be out in uh, Washington, D.C. And the host okay. of the university is Georgetown. And, uh, okay. and if you can, can you stick around for one more segment? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. All right, everybody. Hey, we're just going to take a minute here and uh, give, give a little word to our uh, sponsor, uh, the company I work at. And they, of course, provide the opportunity for us to do be a Travel Star podcast. So, yeah, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Zachary Deans, and I want to take a second to uh, also give a spot, an opportunity to talk about an app made by Cloud Conversion, parent company of CloudPerks. If you are dealing in e-commerce, everyone knows that you are getting reviews on a ton, a ton of e-commerce sites. And we're talking everything from Amazon, of course. Walmart, big names like that, TripAdvisor, App Store, Facebook. Um, you might be getting your reviews on Glassdoor, um, Yelp, uh, any number of places, even Google Maps, right? So all of these places where we're getting reviews uh, as companies, uh, how can you monitor all that? Now, you're probably running uh, either a customization of Salesforce or a service cloud. Cloud Conversion has an amazing product. It can monitor and analyze all customer reviews from all of those places that I just named and more. And, and it can find out, did you get a one star, a two star, like a low rating that you need to respond to in the moment, right? In real time. And you can do that inside Salesforce. It's amazing. You can do this inside Salesforce, inside Service Cloud, and, affect, and fix those identity, those customer um, response issues immediately, right? Instead of finding out two months later, you know, oh my goodness, there's a thread around this one post about a bad review that, you know, in the moment, had you been able to deal with it, you could have realized uh, and helped that customer and, and maybe it wouldn't have gotten blown out of proportion. So, yeah. Got to check out Review Studio, uh, made by the parent company of Cloud Perks, Cloud Conversion, uh, experts in e-commerce. Check them out on the App Exchange, the Salesforce store, and search for Review Studio. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for sticking with us. We're speaking with Kathleen Lukeman. Uh, Kathy is uh, the Chief Innovation Officer over at Maryville University, and she was just sharing with us about how they're using Salesforce, but not just, you know, they deployed Salesforce, and they're doing a little bit of, um, you know, case management, handling and helping their, their students, but they're, they're really, from the leadership down, from, um, uh, from, from the top, the president down, they are actually making it 
a part of the fabric of the university and, and how they're transforming the student experience, the alumni experience and everything like that. What I would love to talk to Kathleen about now is the Higher Ed Summit, which is coming up next week. This is number six. Again, it Yay. is in Washington. Yeah, it's in Washington, D.C. And uh, I know some folks that are in uh, real active in that community, uh, Corey Snow and Jim Gilbert and, and some other folks. But I really wanted to ask you, Kathy, I wanted to ask you about the Higher Ed uh, Advisory Council and where is it now? What what, what have you been working on over the last year or so? And what are some of the milestones that have happened in the last year or so? Yeah, the Higher Education Advisor Council kind of feels like my baby, too. Yeah. Um, it, it was born from that same small group of trailblazers who would post on our little private uh, chatter group. Um, we mostly stayed close and connected. Uh, it started out just posting, and then I had asked the foundation if they would host a call for us, and we invited anybody who wanted to chat to join in, and then, frankly, I, I kind of made everybody start talking to me every week, and we'd meet every single solitary week and tell each other, what did I learn this week? What do you need to know? Where are you stuck? How can we help? We would, we would try to really understand Salesforce for higher ed and share it with each other. And that was really the beginning of the Higher Education Advisory Council. I started calling us that, whether the foundation wanted us or not. Um, sure, you've you got to get into this. I mean, it is what it That's is. That's right. That's right. And so we'd start binding people to us and people would join us. Um, and, and after a while, it just became a persistent group of folks who would get together regularly every week. And we would talk every week. Um, Salesforce, of course, supported us. We were their evangelists. We were helping them and other higher eds understand Salesforce for higher education. Uh, we were, though, officially recognized in 2014, just before the ASU Higher Ed Summit. Um, and I appointed the very first members. Now, it's a thing. We have members nominated each year. In fact, uh, that kind of came from the MVP program, kind of like the name Summit came from the MVP program. Um, where members can only qualify for membership if they're contributing to the community. And you have to contribute all the time to, to qualify. So each year, uh, we have uh, nominations. They're in June. And you have to have contributed for a lengthy time and continue to contribute to be nominated each year. Um, the people that you had earlier referenced, uh, Jim Gilbert was a founding member of our first officially recognized council. Um, of course, right. I was a member this year. Um, the, the advisory council really are kind of the go-to veterans who are inherently motivated. It's in their DNA to help others. Um, I am, I'm thrilled to still be, to be part of that. In fact, um, there's lots of initiatives uh, that the council pursues every year. We have some standing ones, the Higher Education User Group. It's a vertical user group. We meet two times a year um, in person uh, at Dreamforce and at Higher Ed Summit. I'm excited for that session, uh, Higher Ed User Group Live um, next week. We also have um, Higher Ed Office Hours. That's a monthly call-in program patterned after, after MVP Office Hours, honestly, um, where newbies can call in and ask us questions. Um, so that we can help them wrap their minds around this thing called Salesforce for Higher Education. Um, and I get to moderate that each month. It's pretty exciting. Nice. Uh, we have other, yeah, it's pretty cool. We have another initiative that started, oh, it was officially recognized last fall at our Dreamforce meeting. Um, but it started back with the first HEDA workshop in January last year where we got together in a small group of us, talked about higher ed use cases, and that small group got back together last July at the very first higher ed open source community sprint. Um, and what we said is that we really needed to stand up an enterprise org for higher education that the community would build so that all would have access to it. And what we would do is it would be a, a HEDA, higher education data architecture org 
and we would scale HEDA. It was meant to be a framework and we would scale it for the entire student life cycle. And what that would allow us to do is provide an org so that um, people, prospective users of Salesforce and higher ed could test drive. It would open up a, a CRM that looked like higher ed that they could test drive their use cases um, that current customers who may use Salesforce for a really small reason uh, could test drive or, or try out Salesforce to scale their use, either wow. uh, in another use case or in, in another situation, another department, and, and try it out and see kind of what a best practice is. Um, it also gives SIs, consultants, and org to demo out of because it's really hard. Higher ed require RFPs in a lot of cases, and it's really hard to show Salesforce for higher ed without an org that's an higher ed org, right, for a consultant. And they, yet they go up against these standalone solutions that can be demoed. Right. So it gives consultants an opportunity to have a real org to demo out of. Frankly, it gives Salesforce.org a real org to demo out of because they're not a higher ed. They don't have a real higher ed org. It gives them a chance to have a, a really true, meaningful demo out of a higher ed org. And it gives ISVs um, a chance to install their solution in a higher ed org so that they can demo their solution in context. It's truly a, 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 an initiative that is meant to help the community. And the Higher Education Advisory Council officially adopted it at our meeting last fall at Dreamforce. And I'm so excited. Um, that we're going to be able to bring it to the community. Um, it is uh, an incredible opportunity for everybody in the ecosystem to benefit from it. Wow. Wow, that's that's amazing. So you actually have a pragmatic org. Everybody's actually contributing to it. Um, not just higher ed uh, advisory council and, you know, but, but I, I think you mentioned that you actually had partners and people like actually help you at one of the nonprofit sprints? Was that the one in Florida? Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we, we got the org last fall and, and frankly it was um, with my co-leaders, Amir Tajani from Lafayette college and Cameron McCoy from Lehigh university. Uh, I asked for the org from salesforce.org and they said yes. And so we met a Several times, um, I started configuring it. Crazy me, who never wants to be an admin again if I can help it, have been configuring it based on kind of Maryville's reference architecture. And um, there was a community, an open source solution community sprint uh, in Orlando last week. And I had invited um, Ian Gott from Elements.Cloud, Peter Bernardi from Form Assembly. Um, and Jonathan Michaels from Gravity to help us kind of fill in kind of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So Ian helped us with documenting higher ed processes in the org. He set an incredible mapping for GDPR, which we all need, um, but helped us really go through what are our higher ed processes and document them and how to do them in Salesforce. And then Peter Bernardi helped us with an RFI and an events check-in form to show how we can use apps to automate our work, fill in the gaps that the platform, that we don't want to have to build ourselves, right? That the platform doesn't provide, but is so needed in higher ed. Mm -hmm. and, and Jonathan Michaels with Gravity um, at a Martel sent him, who's awesome. Um, he helped us with identifying predictive data so that we can build it out for predictive analytics to uh, use AI to really put data into the action that we need uh, to help us be more efficient. That's part of that transformation that higher, need, higher ed needs to undergo is really being smart about using data. And I truly believe that data is what makes an enterprise org enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was just an incredible opportunity at the Sprint last week for the entire community to come together. Um, in fact, I was thrilled that we could install our uh, enterprise application solution for yield in that org so that we have an application. In fact, 
We also have um, Interactions for Student Recruitment, which is the open source solution that the University of Miami provided to the community through a Salesforce.org Force for Change grant. Um, so we have solutions that are free to the, the entire community in the org that they can check out before they ever install it in their own. So it's a, wow. it's a very cool thing to get the community together to do that. Uh, the folks at Miami, um, Lawrence Perotti and Debbie Duran and Nina Gomez-Fernandini and their partner, Kara McIntyre from Sierra Cedar, uh, having all of that available to the community is just really incredible. Of course, I'm thrilled. Uh, that the enterprise application solution for yields and they're easy is in there. Um, and that we had an opportunity to show people just how to use it. We're, it's still a work in progress. I'm thrilled to say that uh, we are holding uh, an opportunity next week at Summit to invite the community in uh, as a larger higher ed community to contribute to it. Uh, that will be at a workshop that Amir Tajani, Cameron McCoy, and I are leading um, during Higher Ed Summit. It's called UBU in MACU. So UBU came from Amjada UB, our co-host from Tulane University for the third Higher Ed Summit. He said, wow, you can just be you in Mac University. And nice. I stopped. So it was Mac University. Now it's UBU in MACU, we say affectionately. Um, and so we are going to introduce that through a workshop and, and have our partners there and have our community there and, and have them help us contribute to it so that all of us have this incredible community-led initiative, this org that we can all access. It's pretty exciting. It's game-changing, uh, and it's truly a collaborative effort among all of the, the whole Salesforce ecosystem and stakeholders. Wow. Wow. Well, that is, that's fantastic. Um, it's going to be an incredible higher ed summit. Um, I know last year I was able to attend and uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the real message, you know, is, is gosh, uh, higher ed is changing the needs, the desires by those hiring students, the needs, the desires of the students, alumni, it's all been changing. And, and well, the university, the college, they are in a position where they're needing to uh, meet those needs and higher ed summit, um, you know, Salesforce can at times seem like, gosh, it's a huge company, but but trust me, uh, folks, uh, if you're outside of higher ed, you probably don't know this. There is like an 800-pound gorilla in this space in terms of, you know, a competitor, uh, the, the kind of company that will buy companies and just kind of get rid of them. And uh, Salesforce, believe it or not, is just this, uh, it is smaller. It is fighting this uh, innovative, uh, you know, battle, and it's this collaborative effort with its partners and its universities and its community members that is really creating a uh, solution, solutions, uh, the HEDA framework, this particular mock U university where you get a chance to uh, demo real, real solutions. Uh, this stuff is the stuff that's going to liberate universities, ultimately liberating uh, the, the true customer, which is the student. And uh, if you can, if you can attend Higher Ed Summit, it's in Washington D.C. next week. And uh, gosh, Kathleen, is there anything that you wanted to uh, say about uh, about the community or about the people that you've been participating with, or uh, anything that you wanted to shine a light on that you that might just get hid? It might get buried, you know, in the day to day, uh, uh, you know, digital world where we're just swamped with information. Is there any anything you want to shine a light on? I do. Uh, of course, I would naturally encourage all to attend Higher Ed Summit. Um, I would encourage people to attend the, the UBU and MACU workshop. We're having two easy workshops so that people can implement an application at no charge. Uh, we have Higher Education User Group Live and Higher Ed Office Hours Live. I would encourage people to do to attend all of those sessions and get to know the community. But I'll leave you with uh, some words that Jonathan Mayer once said when he spoke at the very first Dreamforce hired reception for me way back in 2012. He said, if you learn something, even if it's something you think is small or insignificant, share it with someone, share it with the community. It just might be something someone needs at that moment in time. Those words have stuck with me these many years later. Mm -hmm. Giving back to the community, after all, really makes us all stronger. 
And that's what I would suggest for everybody who is going to summit is, is get to know the community. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy. And uh, hey, everybody, this has been Be a Travel Star podcast. And one of the things we always finish our podcast with or our segments with our guests is we ask, hey, is there a little travel tip? Is there something that uh, you always do, Kathy, when you travel, if you're visiting, um, you know, Dreamforce or you're visiting Hired Summit, as far as the travel side, do you you take a, you know, what do you, what do you do to set yourself up for success when you travel? Oh, what a great question. I am always nervous about traveling. I hate being late. So I always get there early. Uh, I always tell folks, pack lots of chargers. You never know, you know, if you're going to be out and about. And you do, you get out and about and you don't want to, to miss anything. So pack lots of chargers. And me, myself, I always try to plan to reach out to higher eds in the area that I'm visiting. Um, and I have the great good fortune of going to the Boston World Tour on April 5th. And I reached out to my friend, Corey Stowe, who works at Harvard University, and said, hey, I'd like to hold a workshop on Easy on April 4th. I'm coming in early. Can I hold one at your school? And so <laughs> I'm going in early to hold one. Um, at a school and staying late for um, the, the kind of regional higher ed user group uh, meeting that he's hosting the day after. So always reach out to folks you know when you're in the area because people are just so welcoming. That's my big tip. Reach out to folks you know in the area. Inevitably, somebody will want to get together and you'll have a great time doing it. Oh, thank you so much. That is a great tip. So, hey, everybody, you have been listening to Be a Travel Star podcast, and I've been your host, Zachary Jeans. Um, we will be, of course, including uh, many of the links and things in the description. And uh, please subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes or subscribe on uh, Anchor FM, wherever you're listening to us. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. And. Hey everybody, this is Zachary Jeans and I've been your host on BA Travel Star Podcast. Every week we talk with the movers, the groovers, people doing cool stuff in the Salesforce ecosystem, around events, and work. We even goof off a little bit. So subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.